All right, welcome in to episode 23 of Fatal to Prejudice. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, download, all those good things. Share it with friends, share it with family, get the word out, spread the love. Um, there's a Patreon if you want to subscribe to that too. Really appreciate it. But uh, we got Big D back in the house. Derek, ready, what up? To, ready to recap everything that we went through over the weekend and uh, get back into some more stories. So, yeah, thanks for coming back. Yeah, man, of course. I love doing this. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, so we went to we went to Louisville, just like we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was kind of a long one. You know, the uh, Wednesday to Sunday sounds fun, but in reality, it's kind of like Vegas. You know, you don't really need to add a whole nother night of debauchery and and wildness. Uh, into an already action-packed weekend, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Last year when we went down, it was like a test run, but we had everything like, all right, we're going to do this at this time. We're going to do that at that time. We're going to do this next day, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And then this year it was kind of like crazy where we were like, oh, we have a plan to do this on this day, and we're going to do this on the next day. But it was still just action-packed all the time non-stop it was a lot of fun i mean we had a lot more we had a lot more people attend this weekend also i mean we had people from washington the state houston colorado california east coasters philly you know obviously us from from cbus we had a pretty nice um cbus contingent there but uh, new york new york city yeah i mean we had a lot of people we had a lot more people this year and so it made it fun to, you know, rekindle and, and you know, kind of hash it up with some people that you only really see one or two times a year normally. Uh, and, and it was also, you know, nice to see some new people and to put some faces to names and, uh, you know, actually hear somebody's voice instead of just seeing what they write in a chat group. Right. And we have chat groups with friends. There's, you know, like 30 to 40 of us or whatever. And... I'm not big on talking in them, but that's just me. But, like, there's people that just chat. These go all day long. Squat up. Squat up. I don't know. They just... It's different in person, right? It's different when you finally meet that person behind the screen. Like, we are internet friends, and we live in that day and age. Um, and it's super cool to, like, have the big thing in common and really want to, like, hang out. I actually make the effort to hang out with each other and... Not just be like, oh, yeah, we'll hang out and continue talking on the Internet for another nine months. Right. Right. I mean, it was a uh, first night was was real fun. We didn't have everybody there yet, but still first night, everyone gets together. Everyone's really giddy. So, you know, not really waiting on, you know, crack doing fresh cracks, you know, yeah. cracking some some really good bottles. Uh we had a we actually had a really good kind of impromptu dinner the first night over at Repeal. I know we talked about the food scene uh, a little bit last episode. Yeah, uh, but we really put it to the test uh, this last weekend, and Repeal didn't disappoint. So we go to Repeal, and 
we just group by just a whole bunch of stuff, right? We get a bunch of steaks. We get a big <laughs> tomahawks with the, you know, with the huge bones still sticking on it. And they like present you with it. And then they'll actually take it to the back and cut it all up for you. Uh, we got some strips. We got seafood tower. We went the whole nine on this one. And, and uh, it was great. But the best thing, the best thing I thought about night one was the waitress coming out and be like, yes. oh, my God. It's you guys. It's you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, uh-oh, like. You know, oh no! <laughs> we know we were, you know, pretty rowdy last year. So, like, is this a? I'm guessing this is a good reaction, judging by the pitch of her voice, right? Yeah, and she's got a smile and she's kind of laughing, you know. And our our buddy, so one one of the one of the people who who came last year made some like little stick head cutouts to like put them on toothpicks and put them in food, right? And so she runs to the back and comes out. Lo and behold. This restaurant had saved one of the cutouts from the dinner we had last year. And and the cutout, sorry to interrupt, the cutout is the birthday boy's head with a little party hat on it. And it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she brought it out and was so excited. And, and I was totally floored. I'm like, yo, they saved a damn toothpick cutout of our boy's head for a year at a restaurant. And like... For those who have ever worked at a restaurant, like you know, a lot of that stuff doesn't last a year, let alone a month. Right. So, so <laughs> for her to pull that out, I—I I mean, that was—that was personally, aside from obviously the fresh cracks and seeing everybody, that was like my highlight of night one. I would say. Yeah, that was that was definitely a highlight, and it was the like oh shit moment. Was this gonna be good or bad? <laughs> right. Because because the first year we we they have uh, what they call the barrel room, and it's cool because they decorated it with like old bourbon barrels and stuff, and it's up above the restaurant. Yeah, you're um, looking down on you know all the all the common folk. <laughs> you know, you're up there like a king with everybody. Yeah, and there's like the a separate wait staff, and they like come up the service elevators and bring all the food out, and um, there's a separate bar up there and all that, and it's it's very um, I don't know, it makes you feel very exclusive, VIP. Yeah, definitely. And so you know, when we went all out for dinner last year, and for them to remember that moment. And I'm sure it happens, right? I'm sure we're not the only ones that do that in the restaurant for a full year. For them to remember it and then like we just go in and they already know who we are without them telling us that we were that party. Fantastic. I mean, <laughs> I hear you, but also, man, I would if somebody did beat us from last year with the two big bottles that we bought or somebody bought uh, I'd like to know what they got. Yeah, same. You know, uh, I mean, those were two monster bottles, and yeah, if they beat if they beat that, like, it had to have been some. You know, maybe I don't know. Maybe it would have been like, uh, you know, I'm not a huge wine connoisseur. Yeah. Right. But I'm sure they have some crazy old wine that are probably worth insane amount of money. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, that's not my thing. You know, I like a nice, I like a nice bold red cab like anybody else, but you know, I'm not as knowledgeable in that world as honestly, some of our friends are, you know, some of our yeah. friends are huge. Some of our friends came into bourbon from 
the wine industry. Right. They know way more about the wine industry than we will ever know. Yeah. And what's what's that, like the sommelier or something? Yeah, sommelier. Don't we have some friends that are sommeliers? Oh, yeah. And there's 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 levels of it, too. Uh, I think it goes up one, two, and three, and then master sommelier, you know? And I bet it, that's like genius level. So, you, <laughs> you know, know everything it, about wine. Oh, dude. it's cr- So if, if any of you guys are interested in wine, um, on Netflix, there's a great documentary called Somm. S-O-M-M. And uh, my buddy Todd put me onto this documentary. It's only, it's not too long. It's like an hour and a half. And it's very interesting. It follows the detailed story of, I think it's like six different sommeliers who are trying to achieve master. And it is insane what they have to know. Like they, they have a, what's called a speed test and they'll put like five different wines out in front of you. Okay. Right. Six. I think it's three whites, three reds. Okay. Within like a couple minutes of smelling, tasting, doing it again. So they do, they do this thing where they actually taste it. They spit it out into a bucket. They don't, they don't. Oh, they rinse. Yeah. Rinse, spit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they have to tell you like what they, they, they're able to tell what region, what soil was actually used like the seed um all the way down all the way down to the actual winery wow blind wow it is ridiculous and the amount that they get right is wild but dude it, i'm not kidding you it is uh, it's kind of fascinating how, like how much you watch in this documentary of how much they have to know and how much they study. I mean, I'm like, man, I don't know if I've ever wanted anything in my life more than these people want to become a master sommelier, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. It's a great, great documentary, but you know, sorry to get off on a tangent there, but man, I mean, um, some of the wines there are really good, but I mean, the bourbon, we always, I mean, we always bring the good bourbon. Oh yeah. We, we go to Louisville. You know, if you guys are friends with us on, on the interwebs, I'm sure you've seen some pictures and, I'm sure you have some bottles yourself, but we we always bring some uh, some big stuff. It's not it's not it's not really one of those weekends where you bring some of your mid level tier stuff. Yeah, you know? no, you got to bring something nice to the table because you know you're going to be having pours of Everyone's. other really really nice stuff. Yeah, you know, so it's it's like one of those things where like we're not really going to judge you if you don't bring something nice, but it's more of like that unwritten rule type thing. You know? Right, like, be respectful to your other enthusiasts by bringing something fun yeah you know it's i think it's another standard of like treat how the others how you want to be treated yeah most where, definitely you know you know everyone's bringing the top tier they're bringing their top game and you don't want to bring you know the low level game you want to you want to come in swinging right yeah Oh, and trust me, for this weekend, everybody knew they were going to be spending a lot of money. So there was a there was a bunch of stuff up for sale this week from our group. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, we we went we went down to Louisville. We stayed downtown. Uh, Cam and I stayed at this this nice hotel, A Loft. If you guys are ever down there, I recommend it highly. Yeah, there's some uh, great hotels in Louisville. Not just that one, just but that yeah. little area, really. Yeah. And it's decently affordable. Uh huh. You know, um, I think I had I think I had chicken wings. Every single day, um, maybe not my best choice, but I'm that's, pretty sure that's a like a solid dream that some people aspire <laughs> to. Though, <laughs> uh, I I can speak from experience. I wish to have chicken wings every <laughs> single day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty. But we had some really, really, really good food. I mean, um, 
Yeah, we, where we, else did we go? We rented out, um, what was it? Uh, we rented out uh, 610 Magnolia. Honestly, when we were driving over there, it didn't look like much. It's not downtown. It's not right downtown. Yeah. It's still in the downtown area. And it's headed towards the rough area. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Too. Yeah. And, you know, I would say Louisville is kind of built kind of like a slightly smaller Columbus. It's a little more sprawled out. Like the city limits are are much, um, you know, wider yeah. and, and greater in, in terms of square mileage, uh, kind of like Columbus. So even though it's technically Louisville, downtown proper, it's not like, you know, it's not on Whiskey Row, you know. And we roll up to this place. No one really knows where it's at. The, the Uber driver drops us off on, like, the other side of the street where the actual building is. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You're, like, down here a block. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all I see are houses, dude. You know, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And there's no signs. There's it's like all you see, all you see is literally 610 on the side of the building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it actually was like a nice little they had like a little um, like little a mini garden. Away. Yeah. You know, a little like garden yard area. Uh, honestly, if they would have put a bonsai tree in there, I would have gotten, you know, a little more of that. Like, you know, home, you know, like the. <laughs> The meditate vibe, but yeah, it was a nice it, private area. They had a shitload of bamboo, though. Like, yeah, they out did. There. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, this place. So we were, we basically were able to rent out the whole. I guess it was just like a private venue space, and uh, there was a couple different courses. Uh, mainly small plates uh, were served. You know, they had past hors d'oeuvres. Um, then you had choice of, you know, you had choice of um, fish or or steak. Uh, it was salmon. And I actually got, I got to try both and they were really good. But what stole my heart that night was probably the uh, the old fashions that guy made. Those yeah. smoked old fashions that he made. Yeah, that bartender was awesome. Yeah. Cocktail maker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was killing it. Also, we had a, we had a guy who is a psalm. I'm pretty sure he's a psalm. We had I a guy so. who's in our group and... Uh, he put it upon himself to bring all of our wine and some bubbly. So he had it shipped up to Louisville a couple days earlier and went over and set everything up and graciously uh, poured us some awesome wine. And we had some Dom Perignon and oh yeah, I you know what was it Krug? There was a Krug there. Yeah. Uh, there was something else that I actually thought was better than the Dom, better than like the normal. 10 and 12 vintage right it's jean pigeot yeah, or yeah, something yeah. um that that was a fantastic champagne so. it was and the bottle was really like artsy it was nice yeah it's like hand painted yeah, it looks hand painted with like sexy. flowers and stuff yeah um and also the the so i'm not huge into wine i'm getting into it but i think the the first wine since we were the first people there we got to get this decanted wine that our buddy brought from uh, Texas that um, it was already breathing for a while. And he was like, you know, pour this up. It's perfect timing. It's been open for X minutes. And oh my God, it blew my mind with how good it was. Um, yeah, I just want to say shout out to him. Thank you so much for sharing all those and bringing them all the, all those to the, to the restaurant yeah that, that definitely wasn't cheap yeah that was <laughs> that was on point yeah um and even the second wine that we had uh i'm a big like i need a dark bitter dry red um that like m turns me into like the warheads character that like <laughs> it just makes me pucker oh it's so good See, that's that's where i differ 
Yeah. I, I don't like a dry, smooth cab. I like something very bold, like kapow. Yeah. Like kapow. Or <laughs> as our as our one friend in squad, wapow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it, I like something that kind of like hits me in the teeth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, uh, when it comes to wine, that's pretty much. And like I said, I'm not a big wino, but it's pretty much all I like is just some bold, super you know flavorful explosion type um, cab. Yeah. You know? But I, I mean, aside from six ten, which was awesome, and the drinks were great. You know, it was fantastic getting the whole place to ourselves. Yeah. So we could, you know, talk and be loud and, you know, be like, I haven't seen you in forever. Be ourselves. And, yeah. Be ourselves and not annoy any other patron. Yeah. But I mean, what really what we were really there for was the next day. Yeah. So the next day, I mean, pretty much how every day went was, you know, you go hard that night and then you wake up, you kind of recover do whatever you need to do to recover. Some of us got IVs. We actually had like a, um, well, I'll get to that here in a minute, but the next night after 610 was kind of like our quote, you know, big night, right? Like that's kind of, that's the night we're we're all all there there for. for. Yeah. So, uh, our buddy whose birthday it was, uh, actually got, found us, uh, I guess the biggest, uh, party bus that this company even had. (laughs) And, uh, it fit about 40 people. I mean, it was it was huge. And it just straight up parked right in the middle of Whiskey Row to pick us all up. And it drove us about an hour away to this distillery. And this distillery allows you to rent out the whole space. So they have an upstairs area with a just really open, awesome bar concept and an open kitchen. So there's not really rooms per se, aside yeah. from the bathroom. You know, but everything else is open. So if you want to watch the chef prepare your meal, you can just grab your cocktail and just literally walk right over there and just you just watch. Stand there and be a weirdo and just stare <laughs> yeah, at them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we roll up there and oh man, weather was really nice. It was perfect. It was probably like upper fifties, which is you know, I'm a big guy. I love that. Upper upper fifties, low sixties. I love it. Some would say it was it was cold or cool. I was but, a fan. Yeah, right, yeah. I know you don't like to run hot either. No, no. But we took some great pictures there. We got there right at around, you know, when the when the sun was kind of setting. And not only was the – we got a welcome pour. Not only was that great, it was a fantastic cocktail, but the food. Oh, oh my God. Food. Compared to last year, wow. Yeah. Went all out compared to last year. Last year, we got like the regular menu items that they just kind of brought us small plates and we just kind of finger food it up. Yeah. Right. This year, it was like sit down. And what was it a burger that we had last year? Yeah, we had the burger, yeah, we had the last, burger last year, which was still incredible. Yeah. Oh, the burger <laughs> it, like is totally worth going but for. But this year, we roll up and the birthday board's like, hey, here's the surprise. Uh, we're doing surf and turf. And I'm oh. like, Let's go. And so I, I actually went over to the kitchen area and I got to, I got to, uh, kind of watch them prepare it. And all of a sudden the first thing I see are, are prime rib cuts. And I love prime rib thick. Oh yeah. They were big boys. And then they, they throw a huge, it was a really big lobster tail. Yeah. So they, they, they removed it from the shell and then they prepared it in a way. Oh my God. It it, it like crumbled. Oh, it was, incredible they put it on top of the prime rib and then hit it with some of that au jus 
Oh, oh, yeah, it was so good. Yeah, it was probably the best thing I've ever had from that distillery. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. But this night was the big night, right? So we we get on the party bus. We have all you know. We have a bunch of bottles. We actually we actually killed a whole bottle with our group. Two. Oh yeah, two. 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 We just went all the way around. You know the um, uh, the bus, just killing bottles, listening to a bunch of crazy songs. People are dancing. You know, uh, just a bunch of uh, pretty much as crazy as you could think a bus could get. It pretty much got. Yeah. One of our buddies is doing somersaults. <laughs> uh, we we Poor got guy. someone doing the doing the high ropes, you know, or the the high beam. Um, what are they called? Yeah, the pommel well, horse. Yes, you know, or, or the the even bars. There you go. There it is. <laughs> uh, decided to give us, you know, a show that you normally would see on like a New York City subway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we get there, we have a good time. They have a bunch of of good bottles there, and actually, one of the ones that we see first uh, was a vintage twenty three year. Yeah, it was an old 23-year-old rye. And I was lucky enough to get off the bus and into the place first. And I was able to order myself a two-ounce pour of that. I turn, I give them my card. I turn away, say hi to someone. I turn back. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first bottle killed up there. Definitely was, uh, was that one. But we had a great, you know, that's a great time. So we... Obviously, we booze it up hard. You know, we try a bunch of different bottles from this distillery and and other you know other distilleries. They have they had other brands there and uh, had a great time. But normally, that's that's a late one, right? So everyone's yeah. having bourbon, everyone's having champagne, everyone's having beers because you know a bunch of the guys in in the bourbon world, a lot of them actually come from the beer world. You know, and I know I mentioned a little earlier here in this episode about the you know some of the wine connoisseurs coming into bourbon same exact thing with with beer only i feel like a lot more of the beer guys come into the bourbon world for sure and that's why that's why we seen we saw kind of a big explosion in barrel aged beer oh yeah which is what we're drinking literally right now yeah we're having a we're <laughs> sharing a barrel aged uh, beer that one of our buddies did at a local brewery with one of his barrels of rye that he picked you know what um little tangent here are you still waiting on jimmy vibes uh yes yeah and we're we're close we're coming up on a year i really actually need to go and uh try it yeah yeah uh sign me up i'll go let's go let's do it right (laughs) after this let's go it's literally right down the road (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, but yeah i mean sorry to sorry to get off on that but yeah i mean that's why we're seeing a lot more of and a lot of our friends that have barrel pick groups you know it's Mm -hmm. cool because instead of you know, what we used to just do with them was have somebody, you know, maybe do some wood shopping with a barrel and come up with some other idea to use it. Yeah. Now it's getting that second life and we're able to bring a barrel that everyone, you know, hopefully, right. Hopefully everyone really liked the, the juice that was in that barrel. Yeah. And then being able to give it a second use into something else that we like and enjoy and share with friends with the beer. Right. Yeah. I think it's cool to be able to do that. And I like how, you know, there's, there's a lifetime of a barrel. Just going to get off on another tangent here (laughs) that, you know, it starts with bourbon. That's how it legally has to be made. And then it can actually be used again and again and again. Um, I I just wanted to wrap that one up real quick. (laughs) Well, yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of the American white Oaks once used actually a lot of distilleries, like bigger distilleries in the U S sell those overseas yeah you know they sell them overseas to the irish 
Um, yep. You know, and some of the, the Scottish, some of the brands, Scottish, yeah, the Japanese. brands over there, yeah. They all reuse the the white oak barrels, but I yeah. went to uh, I went to Diageo, and they said that they start you know here, they start in Kentucky, and then they make their way over to Johnny Walker, they age in Johnny Walker, and then they'll go down to the Caribbean. They own what Bacardi, I think, yeah, uh, I think or right. one of those, yeah, and then they'll age um, rum in that. And then they end their life down in Mexico in tequila. End their life. Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah. So they get four uses out of one barrel. Yeah. And it's many, many years, right? Like they're getting, you know, at minimum six here in America. And then Johnny Walker, minimum of seven. So that's already 13. So what I heard. So one of my friends is a big Irish whiskey ambassador here in, in Columbus. Oh, really? Yeah. Actually, um. Uh, yeah, so his name's Barry. Uh, Barry actually has – he loves podcasting as well. Okay. Actually, I should tell him to come in and, and chat. Let's do it. You know, um, he has he has one, and he's a he's very, very passionate. Not, not so much on bourbon, but whiskey nonetheless. And he actually told me that the Irish oak was at one time endangered, so they didn't use it at all. Really? Now it's not. So he sa- he's telling me that – Irish whiskey now is going to be made in Irish oak once again. Apparently, this is a big thing. Yeah. I guess. Um, I don't know when that's going down, but he, he's a huge ambassador, mainly for like Redbreast and Middleton. Okay. Uh, so he was he was actually born in Cork uh, over in Ireland, and he lives here now. And yeah, so actually, that's where I got to try. You know, so I, when you come over to the house and we try that Redbreast 20, um, 27. Oh, that bottle is so good. So there's one that's older and it's called the Dream Cask. Now, it's much more expensive, even more so than the 27. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a couple grand a bottle. Whew. Yeah. But it's dreamy. Apparently, it's like, I don't even know how you can get dream- more dreamy than the 27, dude, honestly. That 27 is insanely good. Yeah. And like they, they age in like sherry and port. Uh, oh yeah oh, it's really really so good. good yeah i mean i normally i normally don't gravitate towards irish whiskeys over bourbon and american yeah. but the 27 red breast is great i mean i really the whole red breast line is is quality in my opinion yeah um but they you know they uh so red breast actually they were so passionate about the u.s support that a couple years ago they released a um a pick for to four different liquor stores here in the U.S. and they they tried to spread it um, geographically. Yeah, and it was cast strength because Americans prefer higher proof. Right, right. So it was a cast strength um, red breast that came out at like 118 proof. I remember because I was so excited. I still have a bottle of it at the house. Oh, you do? Yeah, and I was so excited because I really did like red breast 12, but you know. And, I, the guys who know me and are in squad, you know, they'll know the joke. Ninety proof, right? <laughs> Red Rest Twelve is around ninety-ish, maybe a little higher proof, and that's just not my jam. So when this higher proof cast strength came out, I was all about it. So they they recognized the passion that Americans have for whiskey, and they wanted to like basically showcase their appreciation for yeah. the support, and so they released that out a couple years ago. It was great. Yeah, I. I don't recall if I got to try that one uh, over at your place, but well, so I'm I have, sure it's amazing. I, yeah, I have a couple of different ones, and I mean okay. they're not they're not close to being killed. So next time you come over, we'll uh, 
Yeah, let's share. Yeah, we'll have to try some. But yeah, yeah, I mean back to the back to the Louisville story. I know we got way out there. <laughs> but yeah, that so that night was really fun. And, you know, it goes late into the night. We go back to the suite, uh, where everybody congregates and, you know, we're crushing more bottles, having more pours, just, you know, being wild. And the next morning we we have a um, liquid not a, not a liquid IV but we have actual IV party in the suite. So these two uh, nurses for this uh, hydration company come out with like twenty some bags <laughs> of fluid <laughs> uh, for IVs. And I think we had wow, what did we have, man? Like ten to twelve people get IVs that morning. Yeah, something like that. It was something like that. I walked in just chugging Red Bull because I'm a caffeine addict. And I see everyone sent like patients with this needle in their arm attached to this bag. Yeah, like, we got the, we have baggy towers <laughs> hanging everywhere. You know, it looks like we're in some waiting room of a hospital almost. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got one. So normally I wouldn't, but that morning I was really rough. Like Cam was even like, "Dude, you're down bad." <laughs> I was, man, I mean, it's just I normally don't get hangovers when I just do bourbon, but man, when I mix like especially when I mix dark beers, IPAs, wine. I mean, we pretty much had everything under the sun. We even had my tequila. We even had my um, yeah. class Azul Gold. Yeah. You know, shouts to Batman. Thank you for, for uh, getting that over to me. Um, but we even had that tequila, man. And uh, that, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of mixing. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important to pause here because people will probably take it out of context. Uh, we've had this discussion before personally you and I but I think it's important to note that we don't do this to get drunk it's just the side effect of hanging out and having a good time with your friends and talking and enjoying the passion for this you know higher class of you know whiskey or wine or whatever it be yeah you know, it's it's not that we're doing it to just get drunk. Like we can do that here at home and like go to a bar and drink Fireball or vodka Red Bull or right. whatever. But no, we enjoy sitting and we enjoy talking about it. Like we're super nerds about it. It's right? a byproduct of, I mean, when you have a whole bunch of bottles that you've never had before. I mean, some of us will take thirty minutes to finish two ounces of a liquid, maybe maybe longer. I take at least 30 minutes to finish like between half an ounce and an ounce because I want to taste everything and understand, you know, the different complexities of all of them. And so I'll sit there and I'll just try it. And whoever wants to talk about it, I'll sit there and chat their ear off about it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, right. Cam's right. It's not like we're not just a bunch of drunks. It's uh, it's just when you when you have a lot of. When you have a lot of bottles and a lot of different brands that you want to try, it's just something that happens, you know? And, and normally, like, when a bunch of the guys get together to do a bottle share, we're not talking, like, a one- or two-hour hangout. Like, normally those nights are set in stone most times, like, well in advance. Yeah. And people, I mean, it normally is something that might start at 6, and it would end at 2. Right. <laughs> you know? We're going for six hours hanging out, talking. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And normally, you know, the people that are able to stomach this really high proof bourbon are experienced drinkers. So very rarely do you have, well, I say this while we're talking about Louisville, but very <laughs> rarely do you have like some sloppy out of control 
yeah people you know you don't have many gang gangs running around (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's no uh usually there's no one like running to the bathroom because they're getting sick or like passed out like on the floor just blacked out or you know everyone remains conscious and fine we just you know when you drink you get loud that's just a normal thing but you know we drink not in real access we hang out and shoot the shit and talk whatever it's not some crazy it's not like project x movie right like we're just hanging out yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we, we 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 laugh you know we're just make our inside jokes yeah you know? we're like social nerds yeah you know that, i guess that you, how you could put it yeah the um what we mentioned in the previous episode how we could have just fast forwarded from you know whatever it was the four days right and how i needed to like sit and do nothing right i actually felt great like the extroverted side, fantastic. Great. I was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. Last thing we got to talk about the weekend, though, dude. And I'll let you tell it. Uh, why don't you tell them uh, where we went on Sunday? Oh, man. We mentioned it in the first episode. And if you didn't listen to the first one, you got to you gotta go back. So all this makes sense, first off. <laughs> but... We, um, our buddy from Philly made the smart move and decided not to fly back to Philly from Louisville on Sunday. Not only was there a bunch of shit happening at airports <laughs> that day, but, uh, we went, we wound up going to the Brown shameless plug for that place. So not Brown, sponsored. Oh the, my God. The Brown is a, um, like a famous old hotel, uh, in downtown Louisville. Um, you walk in. They have, you know, four very old style, old school elevators that maybe hold three or four people max. And they like have the mirrors on it. Yeah. Just like in the movies. Very like old swanky New York City vibe. Yeah. You know, and you go up to the second floor. It opens up to a huge, very vaulted ceilings, pillars everywhere, massive um, sculptures and paintings. Yeah. And all the small details are there. It's not just plain walls like. There's the molding. There's the baby grand piano. Yeah, the baby grand piano. It's very elegant. Very, very elegant. But the brown became known for the hot brown dish that they created in I think I think they said nineteen oh six. Yeah, something like that. Um I don't exactly remember everything that was on it, but it was like it was what, brioche bread. With, on the bottom. On the bottom. Yep. And it had seven ounces of turkey breast on it, yep. which was actually very juicy. Um, and then what was that? It's the sauce thing that they put on it. Do you remember? Um, it's some sort of like creamy, delicious sauce that they put on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they put two strips of bacon on that, cover it with Romano and Parmesan or just Romano cheese and then hit it with some green spices. Oh, there's there's bacon? Yeah. And then there's that, um, um, they called it um, Mornay sauce. Mornay sauce, Mornay yes. sauce. Um, and they kind of bake or broil it down into the bread. Yeah, and, then and it thickens it. up. It thickens up. Oh, 
it it takes them like 20 minutes to make this dish because they start it from scratch and then they have to bake everything once it's all put together and it comes out piping piping hot (laughs) piping hot you gotta take you gotta when it comes out obviously everybody wants to just dive into their food right away but this one you gotta i mean you just have to let it sit or you're gonna burn your mouth and you're not even gonna be able to taste it anyway yeah learn from my mistake (laughs) (laughs) so i was hungry (laughs) so yeah so he um cam actually smashes his really quick and the gm of the restaurant there at the brown ran over to us and oh hi you know Thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. This is your first time here. And I'm like, no, you know, I've, I've been in here a few times. I've stayed at the hotel a couple of times. But my buddy from Philly and my boy Cam right here, this is this is our first time. And she's like, oh, they, they, they had to have tried the hot brown. And I was like, yep, they did. Yep. Sure enough. And she's like, I got a story for you. And she told us a story about how some, like, um, competitive eater, some female was uh, – a female competitive eater, older lady too. Yeah, came in and looked the GM in the eye and was like, "Hey, I need you to bring me out this hot brown, and then right when that comes out, I need you to put in another one." Well, are you sure? Because you know, it's a lot of food, and I don't know if you really can finish two. And she's like, "No, you don't understand. I'm a competitive eater. Like I need to eat every ten minutes." Yeah. Right. Or something like that to see how much her stomach could hold or something like that. I don't know the whole I don't know how accurate this story was, but she basically told us that this uh, competitive eater ate like seven, yeah, seven or eight uh, hot browns in one sitting. And and Cam, of course, is like, well, why don't you fire up my next one? Because I can polish <laughs> that one off pretty quick. She's like, oh, no way. You little thing. And I was like, yeah, honestly, this guy has an endless, like, bottomless stomach. He eats two burritos when we go to Chipotle, <laughs> you know. And she was, like, gasping. Oh, what? No way. Nuh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, long story short, she ended up having a, having us try a couple different desserts. One of them is called a strip tease because it opens up. She loved telling that joke like 20 times. It was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. It's like a piece of chocolate with chocolate inside it and chocolate on top of it. And then like a cute little rosebud petal thing made of chocolate. And then they put rum in it. And then they light it on fire and it melts the rose petal chocolate. And the whole thing gets on fire. It's pretty cool. It's a cute little like, I don't know, thing. Yeah. It's yeah. cute, cute show. But overall, I mean, trip was a blast. We were ready to, you know, we were obviously ready to come home. I know a lot of the fellas that flew were ready to leave too, and they had delays and cancellations literally all day. Some didn't make it home till the Monday night. Um, so I know we were the lucky ones that only had to drive three hours. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the trip was a blast. If you, if you were there, you know, appreciate you i appreciate all that you shared and everything that you gave birthday boy shout out uh every time we do this it's a blast i know there's talk about maybe doing a different city but um you know nonetheless i'm really excited for the next time that we all hang out yeah yeah definitely um a shout out to everyone who attended uh who could make it all the new friends that we made the faces we actually got to see um you know shout out to birthday boy shout out to everyone for bringing 
good things to share. Uh, shout out to our guy in Texas for bringing the wine and the bubbly. Um, you know, fantastic time. Again, thank you all so much. Love y'all, and I can't wait to see y'all again. Um, yeah. Do you want to <laughs> do you want to run into uh, dive into some stuff about uh, about you? You being a big Buckeye, and we are sitting here on the day, unfortunately, that Dwayne Haskin has passed away. Yeah, sad. Really sad. I'm sure you got to see him play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the you know the, the saying at Ohio State is once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. I'm sure there are sayings similar in, you know, pretty much every fan base. But, right. you know, Dwayne's one of the guys that, you know, Everyone at Ohio State was rooting for this dude. I mean, he had a rocket for an arm. Him and Cardale Jones probably had the strongest arms of anybody I've ever seen at Ohio State. Yeah. You know? And uh, Dwayne came in. And who did – who did was it Joe Burrow that he beat out for the starting spot? Isn't that uh, right? No. I think I, so. I thought he was graduated by then. You know sports better than I do, but I thought Haskins was graduated by then. Let me see here. I, I swore. So Haskins came before Cardale, right? Yeah, no, no, no. He did. Yeah, it was oh, Haskins. Did? Haskins did get the starting spot over, over Burrow. Over Joey and B. So that's when Burrow went left and went to LSU. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes total sense. And uh, I mean, not none of us Buckeyes were really shocked because we knew, like, Dwayne was a very, very coveted uh, recruit. He had a rocket arm, right? He played a little bit the year before. Master of his craft. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I mean, still to this day, a lot, you know, obviously now everyone's talking about the death of Dwayne, but I mean, there are still debates, a bunch of people that are like, you know, how was it, how was it Haskins over Burrow? And you know what? The stats, I mean, they pretty stats. much supported yeah. going with Haskins over um Burrow in in the in, in the scenario. Now a year later, obviously Burrow goes batshit crazy and wins the Heisman at LSU and just crushes everybody's life. Yeah, right. Like wins the Natty Champ, but um, he he fit in there just like a perfect puzzle piece though. Like he killed it at LSU. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the same results would have happened at OSU, honestly. Yeah, no. I well also Burrow did have like. An insane wide receiving core. I mean, yeah, didn't he exactly. have? Didn't he have? Um, yeah, yeah. Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Waddle. Uh, no, was it Waddle? No, it wasn't Waddle. Um, was it Jalen Waddle? No, no was, he went to Bama. Uh, yeah, it was Justin Jefferson. And that wow, one other dude. I'm I'm losing it. Oh, I'm washed. I am washed. I can't remember the other guy's name, but they had two like big time uh, wide receivers, and they was had Najee. Najee no, no, no. Najee also went to Bama. He also went to Bama. <laughs> uh, they also had um, Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Yeah, you know who plays for the Chiefs. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Haskins came in and and he dominated. I mean, he's he set records. You know, he, he set records. Uh, yeah, I think he still has the record. Um, is it for passing yards? Probably. Yeah, I mean, his 2018 season rewrote like a whole bunch of passing records. I know this. And they were um, made way back in like Woody's time, right? No, I mean, under Urban was when we said a lot of our past. Uh, yeah, remember back then we were three yards in a cloud of dust under Woody. Okay, right. So we ran the ball, ran the ball, smacking in the mouth. 
Um, <laughs> now our offense has evolved because that's what we do. That's what winners do is you evolve. And so now that's why, you know, with us being a, a shotgun spread attack offense, um, it's actually it used to be rare that we didn't have a thousand yard rusher. Now, if we don't have a thousand yard rusher, we're like, eh, that means our wide receivers, like three of them had like 2000 passing yards, you know, <laughs> right. 2000 receiving yards, you know? Uh, I mean, look at last year. I mean, we had Alave, um, we had um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and we have um, uh, uh, who's the what's other his guy? Name? Um, Wilson, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, we had three monsters. Yeah, and this year we're gonna have just the same. But yeah, I mean, Dwayne just lit it up. I mean, he did have that. We had that bad loss to Purdue that year, but that was the year. Remember. Michigan was like dominant. They were really good. Everyone thought they're all oh, the revenge tour, right? Mm-hmm. Everything was back. Yeah. And then we went and smacked them boys. We Put beat them back them, in their place. Then we beat them 62 to 39. And I'm, I'm not kidding. Everyone was like, oh, you know, Michigan's probably going to get us this year. You know, yeah. it was a good run, you know, but man, we came out and whooped them. And then that, I think that year we went and played Washington Huskies, the Fiesta Bowl. Probably. We always go to the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, they like us there. Or it might have been the Rose. It's one of the two. Yeah. And uh, no, you know what? Or was it the Orange Bowl? I don't know. It was one of the BCS Bowls, right? Right. And actually, I took them to cover that game. Uh, I took the Buckeyes big to cover. I mean, on paper, they were just the more dominant team. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we got up like I'm, – I'm, I'm almost certain it was like 28-3. to 3. And I'm like, all right. Game, I got this in the bag, right? We sit on the lead, and we only win 28-23. We don't cover. <laughs> I was like, bruh. But, you know, still win. That's what that's what good quarterbacks do. They win the ball game, right? Right. And that's what he always did, man. And he, he was always a, he was a great dude, honestly. Um, I got to meet him once. Um, very humble, you know, very nice dude. Um, he ended up – he got a first-round draft. You know, he was a first-round draft pick. Uh, yeah. Who took him? Washington. Yeah, Washington took yeah. him. And, uh, you know, it's sad because apparently, you know, he I know he cut his uh, his fiance who apparently was pretty toxic. Um, and he was really starting to do better. A lot of the guys were saying he's really – he's a lot more sharp. You know, he's looking a lot better now that he's really focusing and dedicating to yeah. the craft again, right? Because in college, he did that. Right. And then I know he did, you know, get caught up in partying and some drinking stuff. But yeah. He's like, oh, I made it to the NFL. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's I did tough. it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Just have to coast. And it's sad because apparently this morning at 7 a.m. or so, his car died on the freeway and he got out because he was checking it and he got hit by a dump truck. Oh, it was a dump truck? Yeah. I didn't see that. So I'm oh guessing. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, the scene could not have been could not have been pretty for whoever no. had to show up for that. but. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, he was down there cause he was doing workouts with his wide receivers and other quarterbacks. So I'm guessing at 7am, I'm guessing he's going to, he was probably going out. to practice. Yeah. He's probably going to a workout. So yeah, it really sucks. You know, once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye, um, you know, prayers to his family really sucks. I mean, young guy, he's 24, 24, yeah, he's 24. Wow. Yeah. Tomorrow's never guaranteed, man. Absolutely. Tomorrow's never guaranteed, but you know, it's, it's at least comforting knowing, one, he didn't have any pain. I mean, if you get hit by a dump truck yeah, on the highway. Yeah, he probably did not suffer. Yeah, he probably didn't. He might not even seen it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that, you know, it's at least, 
You know, I'm I'm just if if you're gonna die, at least it wasn't anything to do with alcohol or drunk or, you know, something bad, something no. really really bad like that. But yeah, yeah, still sad. You know, I I got some. I mean, honestly, you know, on the Buckeye trend here, I have some of my best memories are from you know Buckeye football games. I know I told you about a couple of them on the first podcast, but yeah, I mean, one dude, I've been to probably seven or eight. Ohio State Michigan games. Oh man. I haven't lost one. I have not been to a Ohio State Michigan game that we lost. Oh man. Not one. That is the game. Yeah, the you hear game that? to go to. You hear that, Michigan fans? If I'm in attendance, game over. <laughs> <laughs> Derek's yeah. got it locked down. Oh man. Like, when would that have been? Um the national championship year, twenty fourteen. You were at that game? Yeah. So I, I was, was at, at that game. I was at the Ohio State Michigan game. Um, I think I was like row, f- row two. Yeah, I was row two, uh, behind the Buckeye bench. Uh, and then I, I was going crazy for going to Buckeye games that year. So then I went from there. I went to Indianapolis, and that's when Cardell Jones had to step up, right? Yeah, that Michigan game he and, had to step. up. Yeah, that's up. right. Yeah, because he because Barrett got injured. Yeah, yeah both uh, first Barrett and uh, who was the other guy? I forget, but yeah. both first and second yeah. string. And then... Well, originally it was um, uh, Braxton Miller went down. Yes, Braxton Miller. And so, yeah, so JT had to come in and then, yeah. Um, and then, so we, we go to Indy. So Indianapolis hosts the Big Ten Championship game every year. Uh, they do a fantastic job. It's a, it's a very, very uh, efficient and fun downtown for a sporting event like this. Really? Right? Oh, dude, it, it really is. I'm, anybody who's a Buckeye fan... If you haven't been to the Big Ten Championship game when the Buckeyes are in town, I suggest booking a hotel early. And you, you can cancel whenever, right? Right. So every every December when that opens up, like I already have I have my reservations booked for that weekend already. For this, let's be honest. This, this coming season. Yeah. yeah. Let's be honest. Ohio State gets to the Big Ten Championship game more than they don't. Right. You know, um, this year should be no exception. I don't see – I really don't see any other team beating us. Eight of our 12 games are at home. Yeah. Eight out of – eight games are at home. Eight. Imagine wow. being the season ticket holder. You're getting your money's worth this time. Oh, for sure. You're getting Notre Dame game one, oh. prime time. You get Michigan at home. I mean, you pretty much it's it's lit. It's lit. We don't get Penn State at home this year, do we? No. Um, yeah. the Big Ten changed that game. Halloween night. It's going to be a night game, and it's going to be their whiteout. It's going to be ridiculous. That's going to be nasty at Penn State. That's probably that and Notre Dame are going to be our toughest game, but. I think Notre Dame's already given us a little bit of bulletin board material, so you know I don't I don't think we'll have too much issue. But back to back to the stories. Um, so that Michigan game we win. I go to Indy. Like I said, Indy's phenomenal. Bunch of bars around there. They have fan fests. Um, tickets are normally not too bad. So that year I went with my buddy Jamie, and um, we were at a bar, and it was it was game day. It was Saturday. I would say about two hours before I found a um, uh, a ticket uh, ticket scalper, right? He was like, you know, he told me, you know, he wasn't like a sleazy type dude, right? He was just, you know, casually asking people if they needed some tickets. And, you know, so I, get, I got his number. I was like, hey, maybe I would, you know, I might need some. Right. And he ends up coming across um, these club level 50 yard line seats. And he gave me them for like, because he, 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 he wanted to just be done. Right. You know, he was like, dude, like, give me 600 and I'll give you both these tickets. My buddy and I were like, what? Damn. All right. We didn't know how good they were until we got in there. 
not only are they club level, so they're like wider seats, but at the time that was the only area of the stadium that would sell alcohol. <laughs> so <laughs> interesting. And we were heavy underdogs in this game, like big time. Wisconsin was, they were like not world beaters, but they were considered on paper to be a lot better than the Buckeyes, especially right. with us having a an unknown quarterback third, st- third string coming in. And we beat the brakes off them 59 to zero. Yeah, that was a nasty game. Yeah, one of the like, seriously, that was one of the best experiences of my life. And like Joey Bosa recovering that fumble and running in the end zone, and the, I'm like, "What is going on?" We're at that point, we're up like 31-0, and I'm like, "How could this be real? How is <laughs> like, is this heaven?" You know, uh, there's a glitch in the matrix. Man. Yeah, Wisconsin should be winning. And then we proceeded to go to New Orleans for Ohio State, Alabama. Yep, where we did the famous uh, reverse wide receiver pass. Um, who was it? Um, Evan, the wide receiver, Evan. Um, uh, I don't remember. Evan the name. something who used to be a quarterback in high school threw it to Michael Thomas. Remember that the one yes. foot? He got the one foot in bounds in the end yep. zone there. Oh man! And then how could anybody forget Ezekiel Elliott, eighty-five yards through the heart of the South? Oh, that sweet play to the left. You see the hole open up. And there goes Elliot. Will anybody catch him? No, they will not. Touchdown, Buckeyes. Oh, the place was going crazy. And so, obviously, I had to go to the national championship game in Dallas, right? Oh, yeah. Obviously. If you hit both of those games and you're not going to the Natty. Yeah, yeah, I actually saw a decent amount of people. I know this won't come as a surprise to you, but I saw a decent amount of people that I knew. Really? Yeah, down there in Dallas. And uh, uh, the Omni, really nice. A huge hotel in downtown Dallas through, you know, the big official Buckeye bash, right? The players come out and Gene Smith, the the, uh, um, athletic director, comes out and talks a little bit. I got to see Archie again. Archie, he's a great ambassador to the Ohio State University. Um, Fantastic guy. Um, Remember I told you about uh, the Memorial Tournament, how I get those sweet tickets? Yeah. He almost every single year he's been there as well. Wow. Yeah, and he just... You know, chats like Chat a normal, yeah, chats like a normal dude. Chris Carter was there one year. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the Buckeyes are, are really nice people, and and we so we went to Dallas and uh, the national the, the wall or Jerry World as they call it, right? The Dallas Cowboys Stadium. It's actually a little bit outside of the city, near like Fort Worth, right? Mm-hmm. And I was looking at Uber, and they had something called Uber Helicopter. You literally could take a helicopter. From Dallas to the a helipad at the stadium, how wild! How much was that ride? Ah, dude, it was expensive. <laughs> I, I it was like two fifty a head. Yeah, I was like gonna that. say it had to be like a grand. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was it, yeah, if you brought everybody, it was over a grand for sure, for sure. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, it was cool. You know, the, the national championship was awesome. They had uh, Chris Brown band was one of like the the pre uh, pregame concerts. You know, and, and funny story, my buddy. <laughs> My buddy Ryan, a uh, great buddy of mine. If you listen to the first episode, you know he's like my brother from another mother. Uh, he went with me. My boy Jamie, Colin, Tyler, just a whole bunch of my uh, my college crew. He thought it was a good idea. So we were, we were kind of talking to these girls before the game, right? And he thought it was a good idea to buy two of like, you know, in like in Vegas and in like New Orleans, they have the, what do they call them in New Orleans? Like the grenade drinks. They're like, oh, they're the- a wider bottom and they're really small right here. You know, the wider bottom. Then they have a really like long shaft in the middle, and then it opens up almost like a martini glass, and it's just like a big party. Oh, it's like, like the a party giant stick mug. flute thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
he thought it was a great idea to get two of those filled with like this margarita slushy that they were selling. Oh no. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. You've been drinking a decent one already, man. Like and, uh, you know, that is 99% sugar. The girls leave right before we even get to the line, you know, cause I mean, we're just in passing and he was like, Oh, I want to try to give this girl a drink. And I was like, cool. You're going to hit on this girl during the national championship. Like, I don't know what your, you know, what your game is here, but whatever. And so he's like, well, screw it. I'll drink them both. So he drinks them both. Oh no. Turns out like, he passed out in a bathroom stall uh, for pretty much the first half. Ryan, of the no. national championship game. Ryan, <laughs> no. <laughs> and and I thought he had, had gotten kicked out. And all of a sudden, he comes back miraculously in the second half when we're like really starting to turn up the heat. They had me and in I'm the like, first half. Dude. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they had, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Had me in the first half. Not gonna lie. But dude, it was sick. And we actually we so we snuck down after he. He came to, and he was, like, good. He was, like, almost sober, right, completely by the end of the game. And, uh, obviously, we beat Oregon in that game. They had Marcus Mariota. Um, and we had snuck down to lower bowl. So, our seats were, like, pretty much on the 50 in the upper bowl. So, we snuck down to the lower bowl, and I was right next to the suites. And I know how those suites work, right? Like, for these type of big events, you don't buy by the beer. They just have it there. You know, you already paid for it, right? Right. And so I just, they cut off sales and high state one. They, I look back at the guy. I'm like, Hey man, hand us like six of those beers. I know you didn't pay for them. You know, I know you're not paying for them. Hand me like, so he's like, fuck yeah, let's go. You know, uh, he was a Buckeye fan too. So I, I was just getting fed beers from a suite right above me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Ryan and I take a banner. I still have it in my house. It's a banner, probably 20 feet by 10 feet, a national championship banner. Wow. We That's sick. Yeah, we had to like we really it was some like mission impossible type shit (laughs) to get that banner out of the stadium. Like it was like on a it was like velcroed on. Mm -hmm. And so like Ryan had to like distract the secure one of the security guards while I ripped part of that off the velcro. (laughs) You know? And then we took turns and then like I tried to like hide I mean this thing's it's a we tried to fold it up, but still it's a huge banner. You know, it's like, yeah, we got to be sly with this shit. Right. And we ended up, well, luckily we did get it off. It was so big. It had to be like one of my carry-ons on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So the, yeah, the national championship was great. Um, another time I got to go was um, when the Buckeyes were in the orange bowl. Uh, Braxton Miller was quarterback still. Uh, and we were up against a Clemson team that was like one of the best ever. They had T Higgins back then, you know, Mm, T Higgins. Uh, we had Va- so uh, Von Bell was still on the Ohio State team. Okay, and so Ohio State alumni has a an even more exclusive group called the Buckeye Club. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Jamie had gotten had won some tickets somehow through through work, I believe. And so it, it was like a whole package deal, like a private flight, like it was just the Buckeye Club people pl- private flight from Rickenbacker uh, down to Miami. We stayed in South Beach at some like really ritzy, like um, uh, like a ritzy um boutique hotel right on the beach in South Beach. Yeah, dude, it's incredible. Like top notch service, transportation, everything. Um, you know, we partied at the Clevelander with a bunch of other Buckeyes. Nice. Yeah, a bunch of other Buckeyes. Um, were in there. We partied at the Clevelander. Party at a couple other spots. We ate at uh Prime, um, Prime One Twelve. Uh, which is like a, you know, like a really nice, 
fancy steakhouse. fancy steakhouse right there. You know, it's one of those places that you got to be seen, you know, a bunch of rappers and ball players, And, you know, yeah, uh, you, you go in there, you'll see a McLaren. You'll see a whole bunch of like fancy cars. That is fancy. Yeah. So we went there. That's a lot of fun. I mean, it still had like the South Beach vibe, like, you know, back to our suit discussion. You didn't have to wear a suit. It, you know, it, people were in casual wear. That you know, fancy like, place. They don't have a dress code. Yeah. Yeah. Take notes, everyone else. Right. Well, <laughs> not everywhere has like, you know, that South Beach kind of yeah, vibe. Yeah, that chill vibe. Yeah. And um, and then it came time for game day. And the stadium's not exactly close. It was not like right downtown. Right. right? The, the Buckeye Club literally brought an extra coach bus. Like a, a big time, like Greyhound type coach bus. For just me and my buddy Jamie, we were the only two in it, and we were like, pri- yeah, we were like private over to the stadium. <laughs> wow. I'll never forget it. I was like, is this real? They brought another coach bus back just for him and I. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, so Ohio State lost. It was a fantastic game. Fantastic game. We came up a little short. Braxton threw an interception that, you know, obviously he wouldn't wanted that throwback. It wasn't exactly the best. But we lost. Great game. You know, go to hell, Clemson, always. Um, but after the game, the next day, there's a place that the Buckeye coaches loved going to when they go on, like, recruiting trips. It's called Mama Lucy's. Okay. And it's in the roughest of the rough area. Uh, like, the cab that we took was, like, $45 each way. And he was like, you guys want me to wait here? We were like, no, nah, you're good. You're good. And like the Mama Lucy's people were like, oh, you're good on this block. We run this block. Like type of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> they give you a whole loaf of bread <laughs> and their barbecue though. Their ribs. Oh my God. I don't know if I've ever had better ribs ever. And we, we took them back to the, oh dude, we took them back to the hotel. They were so good. Oh, those little hole in the wall joints, man. If they do barbecue. You know that shit's got to be good, right? Yeah, that it's always fire. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are just some of my, you know, like I said this morning, you know, I got up and when I saw the death, I kind of reflected back on some, like, really fun memories I have. And obviously yeah. I have more. Uh, you know, some aren't as interesting, you know, to tell on a podcast as those. But, um, you know, some of the best memories are through that. So whenever you see a, you know, a Buckeye struggling or obviously in this case – death it sucks right but you know it's another example of you know life short i mean this guy got up in the morning probably had his eggs his protein um went through his routine you know was expecting to go and have this workout and have a nice weekend and bang yep it's done you never know right so that's why you know to relate this maybe back to bourbon don't be one of those guys that just lets your damn bottles sit on a shelf and look pretty you know (laughs) don't you know, if you're really excited to open something, find a find a something in the short term that you can achieve or get to, and then celebrate by opening that. You know, don't 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 say, "Oh, I'll do this in a year," because you really truly don't know if you're going to get that year. You don't. No. You know, I no. mean, you it just know. is what it is. It's the beauty of life. You know, so open your open your stuff, crack it, celebrate it, create those memories, right? I mean, I wouldn't be able to talk on this podcast if I didn't have, 
anything interesting to talk about. I mean, how, how much fun is it to talk about my Pappy Van Winkle sitting on my shelf that I never tried? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not just like bourbon. Like if you have, like if you're a wine person, you have that bottle of wine that you've been saving, waiting for the right moment, yeah. but you've had cool celebration times between when you bought it and now be like, yo, retroactively, I want to celebrate uh, getting promoted last year. Uh, crack that bottle of wine. Right. Or like if you're a Scotch or an Irish or a Japanese person, uh, like whiskey wise, yeah. crack it, open yeah. it, share it with friends. You know, exactly. And, you know, aside from, you know, bourbon and, you know, we're talking about my passions, right? Like bourbon, huge passion of mine. Love it. Golf, same thing. We have the Masters right now. You know, we're Cam and I are checking in on the Masters scores here. Um, you know, as soon as we get off this pod, we're going to turn it back on. But Oh, yeah. Um, you know, another passion of mine is actually uh, sports cards. Yeah, relating it back. So, you know, like with sports cards, everyone's like, oh, really? Like my dad collected those back in like the 80s and 90s. I got a ton of them. Right. Right. And unfortunately, the 80s and 90s are considered the junk era just because of the sheer amount of crap that they produced. I mean, they came out with just a ridiculous amount of sports cards, way overproduced. Yeah, right? there was way overprinted. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Yeah. But mainly since COVID, uh, a lot of people have been trying to, were trying to get back into some different hobbies. And nostalgia was a huge hit for a bunch of people in different type of industries, sports cards being one of them, right? And so the sports card world has kind of boomed since 2019. Abs- absolutely boomed, right? Like, Honestly, maybe more than bourbon. Seriously. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I have a little bit of addicting personality, you know, and uh, sports cards seemed cool. So I got into sports cards back in about 2020, uh, 20, end of 2019, early 2020 is when I really got into sports cards. And, yeah. you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, how fun could that be? It's just a piece of cardboard. But then I could come back with, well, bourbon is just juice. You know, I mean, you know, why, you know, why own a Ferrari if a 2007 Honda Accord gets you the same place? Right, Jeffrey? Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no, because oh, it's a Civic. Yeah, Civic. Yeah, oh, see, I screwed up the joke, man. But uh, it's it's more about, with sports cards, what I love about it is it's kind of like the stock market, dude. Yeah. Like buying and selling, there are certain times and trends you can kind of predict of when to buy and when to sell. And if you're good with that, you can make a really good amount of money. And that amount of money that you can spend on some, you know, more bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I love to collect, obviously, the Buckeye players. Like for me, Justin Fields right now is a big chase for me. Okay. You know? I a lot of people are giving up on him already after one year, which is ludicrous. I mean, the Bears absolutely trash. They didn't have one good wide receiver around him all year, and they got rid of Nagy, didn't they? Well, now they got rid of Nagy, yeah. Yeah. And the offensive line wasn't good, so they're finally spending money on getting him weapons. I think he's gonna have a great. I think he's gonna have a great year. So I'm actually buying a lot of Justin Fields right now at discounted prices because uh, this is the off season right now for football. So we're in that downturn 
of the quote unquote stock market of sports cards. Yeah. People want basketball, side. hockey, yeah. soccer. Yep. So okay, so you can so follow the in, ebb and flow yeah. of the seasons that sports so are played. Buy in the off season. Yeah. And then right at the start of the when the season comes around, bang. Because that's when you're seeing a bunch of like searches on eBay and there's a website called 130point.com. Uh stock X is another one. Um, you're going to see a lot of uptick in the amount of people looking for a certain card. And obviously more audience means a better chance at sales, right? Uh, if you can predict some of that stuff and then like, like if you have a Joe Burrow and you invested him when he was like nothing as a rookie or not even, you know, his prices weren't that high. And then all of a sudden he goes to the Super Bowl, his prices jumped like five X. I mean, stupid, big money, huge money, dude. Dang. I mean, one of his cards went for like um, uh, $250,000. What? Yeah, it was an autograph card, yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. For a, a card signed by him. Yeah, literally, it's literally cardboard. It's literally cardboard. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, obviously, some are numbered. This one was a one of one. Okay. You know, um, and there, there, there's products. So, there's, there's, two, there's two brands in sports cards they kind of run the world it's panini and tops yeah a lot of people know tops because tops was the big producer of baseball cards back in the day when you know their dad was collecting or they find some cards in there by the way for anybody listening if you have grandparents and they have an attic or you know you bring up sports cards and they say that they used to collect back in the day and they think they're junk uh, i recommend you go and you find where those sports cards are if you can and look through them and maybe have somebody who's knowledgeable uh, help you because there are some cards from the 50s and earlier that are worth an incredible amount of money, like millions, literally millions. Um, also, if you're one of the kids, you know, if you're in your you know, late 20s, early 30s, uh, you dabbled with uh, Pokemon back when you were young. Oh, I've seen the Pokemon scene. and It's wild. You know, back then, I was throwing Charizard holographics down on the on the sidewalk like it was nothing. Now, you know, some of those cards are tens of thousands of dollars uh, if they grade well. So you have, a, you have a couple grading companies. You have a company called PSA, and you have a company called Beckett. Uh, a lot more people probably know the name Beckett. Um, just because they, you know, they've been around a decent amount of time. Their slabs are very easily identifiable and they put them in protective casing and then they give you a score of pretty much one to 10, 10 being pristine, like 10 is zero flaws, right? So they check the corners. They want to make sure there's no whitening on the corners or like, you know, curved edges. They want that corner to be crisp, yeah. sharp, right? They check the edges to make sure there's no like fraying or any type of um, image quality from where the, the card image gets cut at the card length. They look at the surface to make sure there's no printing lines. So when it goes to the printing press, sometimes you'll get uh, just very, very small scratches that you can't see normally that you have to put up to like a microscope. Uh, and then they check the centering. So not every card comes out exactly the same as the rest, right? Some of them are perfectly centered. Others might be the the character on the card might be slightly more to the left or to the right or closer to the top than it is to the bottom or vice versa right and uh, they check all those things they check those four things 
And based off that score, they give you a 1 to 10. Now, getting a 1 is, I mean, if you get a 1 on a card, you were just an idiot, and you shouldn't have even sent it in. It probably like, went through your, uh, like, garbage disposal. <laughs> that and probably other things. Like, you maybe only have, like, a quarter of the card. You know? <laughs> you probably don't even have a full card. Uh, but that can, you know, greatly increase the value of the cards that you have. Right? So I kind of created, you know, my own. Now I would I would call it a sports card business now. Uh, when I first got into it, I would have just called it a hobby because I was spending a stupid amount of money on like sports breaks, you know, and breaks are where, um, you know, there'll be 30 spots or however many, you know, 30, 32 for NFL, 30 for NBA. And, uh, you would take whatever the boxes that you guys were going to rip open. Right. And you would do whatever the, the cost was of those boxes. You would divide that by the amount of spots. Right. So, Let's say the, you know, it's a three thousand dollar break. You have thirty spots, right? So that's a hundred dollars a spot. So you pay a hundred, and then they do a randomizer for what team you get. Everybody gets one team, and then from the cards that from the boxes that you open, any player that comes out that's on the team that you got from the randomizer, you get you get to keep those. Okay. You know, so it's a game of chance. Right, you know, gambling, right? You know, gambling. opening sports cards is already it gambling. Is. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is. It can be a lucrative gamble, but normally, for the most part, if you're opening the right thing, it's not going to be too much of a loss for yourself, uh, as long as you get it at release day pricing. You know, now just like anything, after release day, prices on the boxes tend to go up. Right. Sometimes exponentially. Um, it's just the nature of the beast, you know, and. If any of you listening have been any, in any type of a collectible hobby or scene, you understand that fully, right? And uh, it's the same way with you know with sports cards. So I, I did a lot of those breaks, and then I started just ripping cards. I, I, I now what I do is I just buy whole boxes, and I also go to shows and I look through different deals. I try to find a deal, right? You know, and a lot of the deals come through just um, haggling, you know haggling left and you know left and right trying to make the deal you know the whole art of the deal thing right you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know the, obviously that's something i like uh sales has always been in my blood as you guys all know uh it's something i love doing i get to interact with people uh at the same time i get to do a hobby that i really enjoy right and um you get a little more leeway in sports cards than you do in bourbon Bourbon, it's kind of like, here's the last two sold. I don't want anything less than that. You want it or not. Right. You know, the sports card world, it's a little different. I mean, you know, you got some guys, even when you're buying a card, you're taking a gamble. Like you're taking a gamble, especially in baseball. Like if you get the, what's called a Bowman's first card, basically that's that person's first ever Bowman sports card. And it's not even their rookie year, right? Their rookie year might be four years, five years down the line. Wow. Now, if they're really good, they're going to get expressed a little bit, you know, maybe th by year three, you know, year two, maybe. Um, but for the most, it's not a get rich quick type thing with baseball. But with the Bowman first guys, that's why you just have to, if you're ripping baseball right now, you have to just pretty much keep every Bowman first card. Because in five years, you might have somebody that became the next Mike Trout and it just going bonkers, right? Like, um, 
Right now, that guy, his name is, uh, there's two right now, Wander Franco, who plays for the Tampa Bay Rays, and Bobby Witt, who plays for the Kansas City Royals. If you have their first and their autograph and it's low number and you get a good grade on it, you're looking at many, 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 many thousands, well into the five figures. Jeez. Some higher. Oh, Some man. six figure. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, like we, we talked a little bit about Gary V last episode. Uh, one of his big thing is uh, garage sales. Yeah. You know, he always talks about it. Uh, one of the things with sports cards is to go to the value bins. So when you go to these trade conventions, right, everybody has value bins that maybe a dollar. Every, every, you know, every card in this bin is a dollar. Every card in this one is two. Every one of the other ones five, right? They want quick sales on those. Normally, those are like um, uh, hobby shops, you know, or local uh, sports card shops, LCSs, right. local card shop, and they just want to do a quick sale. Now, the comps on those, the comparisons on eBay, you can make. There's there's some really, I and mean, there's some that you I've gotten from two dollar bins that are thirty dollar cards. You just got to do the work. Yeah, you know, you just got to do the work. Um, and that's the beauty of it. You know, it just goes back to the Gary view with the whole garage selling, you know, people want quick sales and if you, you know, you can do something like that and then on the flip, you know, make some good money. That's where a lot of the money actually is in sports cards is, is finding some of those deals like that, buying single cards on people that you've done your research on. You really think are going to improve and then see how that plays out. You know? So I, I've done that across multiple sports now. Um, one of the biggest, uh, booming sports card, um, sports right now is actually formula one racing. I saw that recently that people are just going nuts for it. Right. So formula one is already a kind of a rich man's sport. Right. Um, you know, it's fans are, most of the fans are relatively wealthy. Everybody who goes to the races are wealthy. I mean, those tickets are stupid money. Um, and last year was the first time tops came out with any cards, and I mean, dude, you, you even get a base Lewis Hamilton auto. Lewis Hamilton is like the Michael Jordan of formula one racing. Okay. Um, you get a base of this guy's auto and you're looking at like 20 G's minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, wow. It, yeah. It, there's a, there's a ton, a ton of money to be made right now in formula one, but the cost to entry to rip those boxes is high. You know, they're expensive. They're like $1,000 a box. So it's a, it's a big gamble, but you can, I mean, you can really make some cash, you know? And so that that's another, you know, that's another thing that I, I like sports cards for a lot of the reasons why I like bourbon. You know, I've been on trips. Um, every year there's the National Sports Card Convention, the S, um, NSCC. Yeah, I had to think about that one for a second. And, um... Last year was in Chicago, so I went there. I befriended a bunch of people uh, in the sports card world, right, just through various Facebook groups. I have some chats like we do with our squad chat. Yeah. Um, and I got to meet a lot of those people last year in Chicago. That was a fantastic experience. Actually, wild, wild story here. We're inside this huge, just giant convention center, and me and my buddy are sitting are, – are, checking out one of the bin, you know, the value bins and my buddy's about to buy a box and rip it right there. Right. 
<laughs> all of a sudden we see this dude run past us. We're like, what's going on? This guy has a backpack. He gets straight up tackled by a policeman. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got arrested for stealing like a, like a Luka Doncic rookie autograph card or something like that. Like a big oh, card. I'm sure that's a big one. And yeah. So, I mean, if that was a, over a certain value, it's probably a felony, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, this guy got taken down. It was kind of a wild scene, but my wife and I were like, dude, what the hell is going on here? Just a normal sports car convention, but nope. Dude got arrested. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a couple. When you go to these conventions, there's a lot of trust that goes in, into this, right? Absolutely. Uh, they're not just dealing with you normally. There's like five or six other customers at their display area. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, they'll hand you the card to look at. They'll talk to the other guy. And if you're a sleaze ball, some people think they can get away with putting that thing in their pocket. Yeah. What they don't understand now is technology is a real thing. And a lot of places now are starting to put in detailed cameras that can zoom in and see all that shit. Right. You know, so if you're listening and you're, you want to go to one of these shows and be a, you know, a, a thief, a just know, person. just know you're going to get it. I promise. But, yeah. um, yeah, and this year, uh, this upcoming um, July, it's in Atlantic City. So I'm going to fly into Philly. I'm going to see our boy in yeah. Philly. I'm going to see Jeff in Philly um, and a couple other guys in Philly, and then we're gonna, just going to drive to Atlantic City. And I'm just going to party it up Wednesday to Sunday, hit the value bins, sell some of my cards. I got some high-end cards of my own, you know? Right. Um, and that's, a, that's actually a good time to sell because everyone's looking to buy. Everyone's bringing money to... You know, I mean, I normally bring about 10K in cash that Dang. I'm trying to spend as, you know, as economically as I can to get the best deals. You're taking 10K and trying to turn it into 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say that's a safe, you know, hopefully maybe a little more, but. Maybe more. Yeah. But hopefully, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or just any type of profit. I'll take any type of profit. Right. You know, and so I'll sell a couple things, buy some things with what I sell, you know, and. There's a lot of prep that goes into this. Like some 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 of the big players in the game. Actually, there's one just south of Columbus here um, called um, um, Card Collector Two. Is is the shop, and that's also his name on social media. Great dude, incredible dude for the hobby. Uh, very well known guy, and uh, he'll be out there. But he's I know he's already prepping. He's already putting like you know. Um, price stickers on his cards. I mean, because right now there's not much track. The only traction is maybe a little bit of NBA as the playoffs yeah. are going to be starting here soon. A um, little bit of that uh, with NBA. But other than that, a little bit of baseball. But normally this is a slower time, just like in normal sports. Once NBA is done, it's like the dark period until football comes back, you know? Yeah, we've got we've got the Stanley Cup and then we've got the start of the baseball season. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's uh that's a main reason why I got into sports cards is people, meeting all those people. I'm going to see them in Atlantic City just like we see our buddies in in Louisville every year. Yeah. Um I'm going to see those guys very excited and um you know, you know there's always there's always good and bad people in every hobby, but I tend to find the good ones. And uh that's something that I I try to pride myself on is keeping a good circle in every hobby I'm in. So Right. Sports cards definitely is a is a big hobby of mine. Um, another one, uh, I would have to say singing. Singing, yeah, it's a, oh. a nice hard hard turn. Man, I love singing, man. I uh, so like I like I said in the first pod, I was a uh, um, a thespian. I was in three different choirs, you know, 
uh, whole different ranges. I did a little men's glee, um, with Ohio state and you know, everything, um, uh, everything has been, even at the bars I go on, I do karaoke every Friday, every Friday. Yeah. And I must say last night I shut it down. <laughs> it was, it was busy in there. Right. But I only was able to do two songs. Normally I'm doing five or six. So there's a lot more people participating this year or this, this, uh, this week. And I only sang two songs. My first one was so sick by Neo. Um, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a good beat. <laughs> yeah, dude. Every time I sing that people are like, dang, bro, you can sing, man. You know, like, uh, I had a couple of people come from across the bar to tell me how good it was. It's always a good feeling when you get that. Yeah. And then my last song was towards the end of the night. It was like at one thirty. Uh, so everyone's already feeling good. Right. And it was, uh, Chris Stapleton, um, Tennessee whiskey. Uh, I feel like I haven't heard you sing Chris Stapleton before, but I, I I imagine you do a pretty good job, man. I, I'll toot my, I'll toot my own horn on this one. I murdered it. Yeah. Yeah. I crushed it. Like people were standing on their chairs, like applauding when I got done. Really? Oh dude. Yeah. Like people were like, Came out to me like, man, man, you know, you really should do something with that voice, man. Like, some of these people can sing, but bro, you can sing. You know, like, uh, you know, just give me some drunk praise, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's always been something. I, I I've been naturally gifted with a voice. It's it's not something that I've had a little bit of uh, vocal help with vocal coaches and you know whatnot, especially back in like high school and college, but not recently. I mean, I can get better. If I really want to do it, I, I might get a vocal coach and, you know, who knows, maybe take a stab on The Voice or um, American Idol or, you know, something like that. Uh, one of my favorite things to do when I was in Chicago, uh, there's a bar there called Bub City, which incredible bourbon bar, too. You walk into this place. It's a it's a country style bar in right in downtown, um, downtown Chicago. And you go in and to the to the to the right. It's just a whole wall of bourbon from the floor to the ceiling. And they Beautiful. have one of those ladders that uh, goes um, horizontally yeah. on a track to get whatever it is that you want to try. And they do some great picks, too. Um, some great barrels. I know you've had the uh, the, um, the, the Bell Mead. Yeah, the yeah. Bell Mead, Bub, Bub City. It's, you know, shout out to uh, my boy Rich for, for helping me get that bottle here in Columbus. But... Um, uh, one of the things they're known for is, and this is Chicago. So there's always people at the bar any given night. Right. Uh, on Tuesdays, they have, um, live band karaoke. So they'll have a drummer, guitarist, like, like a four man band up there with you to do any song you want. And I used to love going in there. I mean, they even had a fiddle. They had a fiddler that would do it if you needed it. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. That sounds awesome. Oh, dude, it's a great time. And there's normally a lot of people. And the food's really good, too. Um, Yeah. Oh, dude, I'd love to go to Chicago with you sometime, man. We should yeah, do that. I was just about to say, we we got to go to Chicago because yeah. I need to see this. We do need to go to Chicago. Um, I actually almost uh, almost booked a trip there. <laughs> real, real quick, short one. But, yeah. I mean, flights for us are cheap. Southwest goes direct. Yeah. Um. Going there, you actually get 15 minutes of your day back because it's an hour. It's a 45 minute flight, but it's an hour time difference. Right. So <laughs> you're going back to the future, dog. <laughs> uh, 
I love that. I love flying west. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, relatively, you can find some really good deals on some hotels because there's so many. Right. You know, and as long as it's not a big convention weekend. See, unfortunately, when we had the sports car convention in Chicago, it was also the same weekend as Lala. Oh, really? So that kind of screwed up. So they're already jacking the prices up for one. They're going to jack it up for the other. Exactly. And, oh, man. I bet that was a pretty penny to stay there for five days. It was, man. But we had to bite the bullet. Yeah. But, um, yeah, singing's just something I've always done, man. I've always, like, I bring, you know, I bring joy to people. You know, I'm always a fun guy. I'm not really afraid of, you know, speaking in front of crowds or singing in front of crowds. Um, just always been just a fun thing that I've been good at. And uh, I have a lot of fun sober or, or drunk. Doesn't matter to me. I'll get up there and sing. I don't care. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, that, I mean, that's, you know, so we got we got my Buckeyes. We got bourbon, my sports cards, singing. So many passions. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. You know, I uh, I still do a little bit of, um, you know, my golf business with uh, with Bang Rang Golf and, you know, equipment and, and apparel reseller. You know, if somebody needs a new set of irons, they know they can come to me. Driver, same thing. You know, I got buddies, that are, in the, I got buddies that are in the industry. Yeah. I, they normally cut me a good deal. I add a little bit because nothing's free. Right. right? Um, you know, I'm not not trying to crush my friends over it but you know time is money time so, is money yeah um yeah i mean and then i guess i guess i guess you know one of the last passions i could talk about is you know my travels and family you know my my family history so on my mom's side um we're scottish and uh, there's a deep rooted history of the clan so it's called the macdougal clan um, original spelling M A C capital D O U G A L L, right? Now here in America, it's M C capital D O U G A L, right? They shortened it a little bit, tried to make it sound a little more American. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, immigrants will will do that with their last name to try to kind of assimilate a little bit more. Right. right? Um. So the McDougal clan. So my my aunt is a huge, um like historian buff like she loves that stuff right um now that's not you know that's not her background or anything like that but she's just very fascinated with it she's passionate yeah so um she actually came up with a whole report on the mcdougals and uh just last uh just this last christmas we went to steamboat springs colorado uh they they bought a vacation house up there in steamboat and Invited the whole mom's side of the family up there. Oh, man. And she literally gave a one-hour presentation. She prepared a one-hour. I mean, one hour, that's a lot. That is know? a lot. Like, And especially on, on a, like a report that you did. Not just like, I mean, you and I sitting here for an hour or two is easy. Yeah, we're just <laughs> chatting. Yeah. But when you're doing like a report, everyone knows. That's a lot. And she went into whole detail, and it was fascinating to me. So uh, the, the McDougals had some... Um, some castles in Scotland, right? And uh, Robert the Bruce was starting to make his rounds. And uh, uh, Robert the Bruce's army came across our castle, which was called Dunnelly Castle. And uh, apparently one of the brothers um, 
wanted to fight with Robert the Bruce because he hated England. And uh, Robert the Bruce, their army beat the McDougals. But because the brother showed his support to Robert as like a thanks, gave him some land back. And that's the only reason the McDougals still have that land today is that. And it's called Dunnelly Castle. Uh, they do tours there, you know, um, still standing structure. And uh, the joke is all the McDougals were drunk when Robert the Bruce came came to town because <laughs> right next to Dunnelly Castle is where the Scotch Oban is made. Oh, so it's like right there. Yeah, it's, it's right there, right near Oban. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can, get, you can hit a twofer if you go to Scotland. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> oh, man, that's a, that's a huge dream trip for me. Um, you know, when I know we're talking about, you know, family and, and travel, but um, my grandfather died at a relatively not young, but, you know, he was he was like, you know, in his 60s, 70s. And he that's died. Young. Yeah, he died from cancer. Um, and there was a you know, we were gearing up for a big trip and it came down to a choice of what do we want to do? Do we want to go to the homeland Scotland all together as a, you know, the whole side of the family or do you want to do something totally crazy? Right. And so there was my mom, uh, my mom's sister, my mom's brother and my grandmother. So that's four. So they needed a deciding vote. Right. Yeah. So I was, I'm the oldest cousin. So I, I was kind of the fifth. And I was the the signing vote, and we didn't really need me because it was pretty unanimous. We wanted to do something wild, so we actually chose the Galapagos Islands. That is wild. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what I expected. Yep. I didn't know the story going into this. So yeah. I didn't expect it. So, um, uh, I'll give you the, I'll give you this story, and then I'll go back to uh, the McDougals or the McDougal clan story. But, um, we decided we were going to go to the Galapagos Islands, and First, we flew into Quito, which is the capital of Ecuador, and very, very, very high elevation. I mean, you come in, it's scary because you have to go between these two mountains, and it's pretty windy. Uh, it's pretty rough coming in, and the city is massive, just humongous. Uh, just, I mean, as far as I could see, all you see are buildings, right, up there in this whole, like, mountain area. And... Um, good story about uh ecuador is their national currency is actually the u.s dollar really yeah so they use they use the dollar and um uh we were rolling around uh so my grandmother had found us an awesome bed and breakfast and it was a compound like a steel door they had to slide open the steel door for us to come in it was awesome though there was you know they had like little like pet bunnies, like like not small bunny rabbits, big bunny rabbits, you know, that live on the property. They're just know? running around. Yeah, because, I mean, oh, it, it, it awesome. was a compound. And they had a guard tower. Like, everywhere had a couple security guards with pump-action shotguns and Uzis because crime was pretty high. They, they told us, they said, at night, don't be out. I was going to say, like, this has to be, like, a crazy area. Yeah, yeah, it was right downtown. And, they yeah, they said, don't be out at night. I mean, at night I'm sitting there drinking um, a Presidente beer, mm-hmm. and uh, you can hear gunshots. You can hear some wow. Yeah, you can hear some wild stuff. Is that like um, like gang violence? Is it just normal? 
crime. I don't, I don't know what normal crime is, but like, I is it um, cartel stuff? I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna guess it's more of like yeah, it's cartel gang type. Okay. Turf area. That's my guess. Yeah. I mean, there's probably some. There's it has to be drug stuff, right? Has to be. I mean, that's it's a big area for it. So. Right. Exactly. So my guess is yeah. It's unfortunate. But yeah. Yeah. But it was really cool just to you know see the culture. We went to a bunch of like farmers markets in the area. Um, beautiful architecture. Really old churches. Uh, I can't remember the name, but they have like a an angelic, a huge angelic statue that looks out over the city. We we went there for a day and experienced that. Um, and then when we were, so we only spent two days there. And then we flew from Quito to the coast of Ecuador called Guayaquil or Guayaquil, something like that. And um, uh, you change planes there to what's called Aerogal, Aerogalapagos, right? Okay. And they, um, they, they, they search all your luggage. You can't bring any type of food or anything on the plane, nothing. Like you can't bring anything with you, um, any biological stuff or, you know, they don't want anything to be introduced to the islands, right? So you got clothes and like, that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. And we get on the plane. It's like a five hour flight out there. It's pretty much equivalent to like LA to Hawaii, you know? Yeah. And uh, before we get there, you know, all you've seen is blue, you know, it's just ocean and they pop open all of the bins and then they come around, they spray you and they spray your luggage with some type of solution. I don't know, like a disinfectant or something. I don't know. Uh, but it was wild. And then shortly after I look out and it's like a scene from Jurassic park where they, they're looking at the helicopter and it's like, do, 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 you know, <laughs> all of a sudden I see massive rocks just coming up out of the water and I'm like, Oh my God, guys, look outside, look outside. This is insane. And so the, the, the way the islands are right now is, you know, they're, they're slowly moving East. So eventually long after our time, it will crash into Ecuador. Yeah. Um, and new islands are being created all the time because there's hot spots. Right. Right. So all the islands on the east are just plush with with vegetation and green greenery everywhere. Right. Uh, just a very tropical scene. And the far west islands are all rocky and hard. It almost looks like Mars. Right. Because they're newly they're newly formed. Yeah, you know, it sounds very much similar to Hawaii. Yeah, right. Um, so you land in uh, San Cristobal, uh, which is probably the most inhabited. I think there, I think there's ten thousand people that live on the islands, and mainly what their job is is tourist stuff, right? Uh, tourists and ecological, you know, uh, helping out with the parks and everything. And um, we actually stayed on our own yacht. Um, it was my whole family, my whole side of the family. And uh, uh, two researchers from Cornell University that were on assignment to do some research. Um, and that, w- that was really cool to have them there, right? Yeah, I bet they were cool to talk uh, to. Beds were super small. And I was still a big guy back then. This is probably, uh, let me think, probably about 15 years ago that we did this. Yeah, something like that. Um, super small beds. But our, our, our yacht was called the Flamingo One. And, um, you know, the Galapagos is right on, um, the equator. 
right? So we're going above and below it all the time. You never know when you wake up. You never know which side you're on, you know? <laughs> Just never know. That's crazy. Yeah. And, um, no, nah, man, it was a great trip. I mean, we went to so many different islands. So you wake up. The food. Oh, my God. The food on the Flamingo one was incredible. Um, one of their best, uh, their their um, most well-known dishes in Ecuador is uh, ceviche. Uh, it's like a shrimp dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kicked it up with a little bit of spice. So I loved it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. Oh, my God. And so in the morning, they would have, like, breakfast foods, right? And then you would get on these little boats. I call them dinghies, right? They're just like the rubber, you know, the rubber boats with a, you know, small motor attached just yeah. to take you over to shore, you know? And the coolest thing is the animals there, they don't have any notion of human fear. Like, they that was not passed down to them. Right. So they don't they don't run from you. Birds don't fly away from you. Uh, the first night we were there, we were um, just swimming at this beach, and my mom is getting some sun, so she's got her you know she's got her hands out, you know she's kind of leaning back on her hands, you know just lounging, and uh, she turns around, and she bumps into a sea lion that had crept up behind her to get shade, and it's going. <laughs> oh, oh, Right, my mom's like ah, <laughs> freaking out. Our tour guy's just laughing his ass off. He probably saw the whole thing go down anyway and wasn't gonna tell her, right? <laughs> so he was it just runs waiting. Off, yeah, it runs off into the water, and you know, obviously everything's fine after that. But um, yeah, I got to see those um, marine iguanas were awesome. So it's the only iguanas that actually will go in, you know, in in water to to feed. So they go down, they eat the algae off of rocks, right? When they come up. There are massive groups of them that honestly blend in with the rocks that they're sitting on, and they lay on there for the heat, obviously. And they have an extra nostril on their nose, and they spit out the salt from the water. And it goes, like, far, like, pssst. Yeah, and there's there's hundreds of these normally at a time. And it just looks like little mist clouds. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Um, their biggest island there is called Isabella. It's shaped like a horseshoe. It has three active volcanoes on it. Yeah, one of them actually erupted shortly after we left. Um, but uh, do you remember? You ever see the movie Master and Commander? I have not. Right. I know the movie, but it's I a long, long movie. Yeah, with Russell Crowe. And but anyway, they talk about how in the old days pirates would use the islands to kind of hide from the armada in the you know the whatever powers that that were back then right um and one of the things they would they would do is they would eat uh tortoise right they would eat tortoises um and that's why they were endangered for a long period of time the galapagos tortoise um but anyway there's a there's a scene it's like a horseshoe looking beach and then there's a rock formation that looks kind of like the leaning tower of pisa and uh, we were there and I was uh, I was snorkeling right at that point where the where the rock formation was, and a group of Galapagos penguins were hap- had happened to be hunting in their pack right near me, and they were coming up and pecking my wetsuit. <laughs> yeah, just wondering what I am pecking my wetsuit, bro. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even know there was penguins there. See, that's the first thing, man. off <laughs> because so the Gal- the reason what makes the Galapagos unlike anywhere else in the world is it's the intersection of four different ocean currents. 
Yeah. So there is just the amount of wildlife that's in this small space is like you can't find it anywhere else ever. Right. Um, that's why Darwin went there, you know, and was, you know, looking around, trying to do his, you know, some research out there. I mean, they have, they even have a highlands, which is where the Galapagos tortoise, tortoises are. And they're huge. And apparently the way they got there, some of them floated somehow from Ecuador. Yeah. <laughs> all the way over. I don't know how. I don't even just, know if that story's real. It's just what somebody told me. <laughs> they're just chilling forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, oh, man. Uh, we got to see um, Lonesome George, a celebrity in his kind. Uh, he single-handedly helped uh, bring his species out of endangerment just by smashing many broads. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, he was just, he's just king. Call him, um, Kangas Khan, right? <laughs> um, and man, what a trip that was. We got to see whales. Um, didn't really see many sharks, a lot of dolphins, a lot of dolphins. And dude, just sitting on the sun deck of, of the yacht and hanging out with my cousin. I mean, you know, the drinking age there was kind of like, whatever, you know, if you're, Parents, doesn't really exist. Yeah, if your parents told you you can have a beer, they're not going to let you not have a beer, right? They had a fully stocked bar on this yacht. I mean, it was to the nines. So when you would do your morning excursion, they would come back, and they would have amazing hors d'oeuvres that, you know, one of the wait staff would have ready for you. Oh, they were so good. My favorite was, like, this cheese, like, puffy pastry. Oh, they were small, too, like bite size. I'm just going to town. <laughs> we get back, and I'm just munching. Right? <laughs> and then we'd go, and we'd do an afternoon excursion somewhere. We'd come back. We'd have dinner. And then it was kind of like, you know, the chill time. Reflect on we would all We would all congregate in the main area. And this bar, it's not a huge bar. It's a, you know, maybe a, you know, 10-foot bar area, right? Just one person behind it. You know, didn't have the biggest selection, but who cares? You're on a yacht. You know, it doesn't matter. Whatever. You know, make me whatever you want. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and we would do like a debrief. And I loved those because he would kind of go over like where we were, what we did, you know, some of the things we saw, a little bit of history behind it. And then he'd detail what we're doing tomorrow. So that's when we, we always traveled at night. So when we were asleep, we were traveling. And sometimes it was kind of rocky. You know, you had to get used to it for sure. Um, but what was also really cool is how much they cared about keeping their environment clean. Every single tour group like ours, you had to spend one day one day that you were there with help cleaning. It was like non-negotiable. Not the whole day, but you had to spend some time picking up an area. Yeah. You know, leaving the place better than when you found it. Oh, that's really cool. You know? I think it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you you really want to preserve a place like that. For right, sure. and that's why they they actually they limit very very strictly how many people can go to the islands every year. Yeah, um, obviously with COVID it was probably a lot higher because I'm sure I don't even know if they. I mean, man, I know some island nations didn't let people travel much. Um, yeah, with fear of spread, you know, spreading COVID to their area. But right, yeah, man. I mean, that was that was such a fun time with my family, but. You know, the whole MacDougall side, we do a lot of fun things together. And another cool one, and I you know, I know we're we're getting to time here. Cameron and I thought we were only gonna do an hour. 
Sure yeah, enough. <laughs> sure enough, we bamboozled ourselves. Another two-hour <laughs> one here. <laughs> but um, uh, I got to go to the Highland Games uh, this year down in uh, North Carolina, just on the very northern tip of North Carolina. They call it the tri-state area there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to this mountain, and my grandmother basically was like, hey, I'm getting this baller log cabin style on the top of this mountain looking out per, like an insane view, right? I'm getting this for the family. Just make sure your asses are there, right? <laughs> like it was kind of like grandma putting her foot down, right? you know, make sure you're there, dude. Right? I remember, I remember seeing the pictures and videos you posted on social and I thought that like, that's an ideal spot to live. <laughs> yeah. It was about, it was about a mile elevation. Uh, the back end of the the mansion was like on like stilts kind of because that was the view. I mean, you you, you I could see for miles. I, I, I mean, I probably saw it in the next state. You know, yeah. I mean, probably. Um, and so the Highland Games was on the the mountain next to us. Now, even though you were only like five miles from your destination when you got to this when you got to where we stayed, it took you forty five minutes getting up the mountain because the roads were insane you know they were they were very very steep very windy uh you had to really watch what you were doing sometimes right um so that part was kind of frustrating because who wants to spend 40 minutes when you're only five miles from where you were you know right it's like Ugh. do i live in la or what <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah man so the highland games is like a celebration of the you know scottish culture um they had you know, bagpipes. They had the bagpipes there. Uh, they had all the different um, Highland game activities. They had the um, the caber toss, uh, which is like a huge. You basically take a um, uh, a big log, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And you have basically to like f- you flip it, right? Yeah. That well, that's the whole thing. Is you have to get, so they measure it from where you throw to the far whatever the farthest end is so if you can flip it and get it all the way over you're gonna do you're looking pretty good but it's hard yeah and they're they're massive right yeah they're big yeah and um i can't remember the exact dimensions of them but they have the uh the caber toss which obviously the big one yeah, uh, the hammer throw. Everyone knows the hammer throw. The hammer right? throw for the sure. Winding up, woo, woo, woo. you know, you do a couple spins and woo, it's gone. <laughs> they have the um, the sheaf toss, which is like a pretty much a like a like a bale of hay in a baggie, kind of so to speak. Okay. And you take this tool and you gotta. I mean, it's a lot of work because it's not heavy. The thing is not it's not heavy, but it's you have to get enough torque on it to really get it to go anywhere. Right. And it's kind of like a almost like a high jump, so they keep the height. They keep the bar going up and up, and you got to flip it over the bar. So you got to take this little bag of hay, yeah, and you and use a tool. toss it yeah, in they, the it, air. It almost looks like a shovel. They use a tool, and you go, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like oh, it's 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 tough to explain, but it's it's pretty much like um, you know, you throw a like a bag over a a high a high bar, you know? Yeah, uh, easy way to explain it. They have the stone put, which is obviously the shot put. Yeah. Um, they have different types. So their, their track is like gravel. Their tracks aren't like normal track. It's just gravel, right? So they have different like sprinting. Um, 
sprinting competitions. They have the weight throw, tug of war. I mean, just a whole bunch of different things. They have um, like a Scottish dancing competition. Uh, mainly uh, younger females participate, right? And it's like a combination of like a tap dance. Okay. And they wear the traditional, you know, like Scottish garb. Um, a lot of kilts. A lot of kilts. I was going to ask if everyone dresses up. Like, uh, yeah, very they're, they're, Scottish. They're, they're, oh, my God. Dress up, dude. So we had to – it was such a – so they didn't do this the year before because of COVID. And I didn't – you guys, I had no idea what I was getting into. It was nuts. You had to go to a certain park area, which is a huge field. And I had waited an hour to get onto the buses that shuttled me up to this mountain. Once I get there, there's a whole community, like a, almost like a sh- little shanty town of RVs that tailgate for this for like two weeks. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So much so that like a merchant set up shop there as like the little town market. Not kidding. Wow. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> it's a, like um right when i walked in there a guy just threw me a bush light before i even got into the gate because I, I i look I, I was watching he has like a, he had like a little grill set up outside of his rv and it was awesome it wasn't like a normal grill it, almost like it was a blackstone but like it came out of his rv it was like custom made for sure so he built it into the yeah. rv and he just Super pulls dope. it out wherever he wants Super dope. that yeah. is sick and i you know i bullshitted with him for a little bit he's like here have one i was like all right I'm in my type of spot, right? Let's get this party started. So you go in and they have, you know, they have a huge Scottish flag at the entrance. And pretty much every single clan had their own area. Almost like a, it was almost like a vendor row, you know, that wrapped at least halfway around this track. Uh, they had two different concert halls that were like in the woods. It was almost like a it was almost kind of like a like a red rocks only a much smaller red rocks and with trees in like forest area you know it's kind of that amphitheater type yeah. setup uh and they had scottish rock they had bagpipe bands they had a lot of, they had a lot of really cool stuff and lo and behold the macdougals actually had a vip area and I didn't know this, but I went over and I, I knew that we were a part of the MacDougall Society of, of America, right? And uh, I just started chatting with them. I, you know, they asked me if I knew about Dunnelly Castle. You know, I said, yes. You know, I told them about my aunt, given the full conversation. And then they brought me over to the VIP area, which was right, I mean, pretty much 50-yard line seats, right? It's, it's, it's just a normal tent, right? They had a little, you know, foldable chairs that you could sit down at. But... They went above and beyond and had sandwiches at the ready, snacks, and they even had four different bottles of Oban that if you were a MacDougal, it was all free. Nice. <laughs> yeah, right? So I was over there just making friends with my clan, drinking Oban, just <laughs> killing it, sitting front row, right? <laughs> and, I, oh, man, I, I had such a great time. I mean, learning about the history and, you know, the crest and – and just experiencing, you know, other clans and seeing the, I mean, really the common theme for me is what people. Right. And that's what gets me going. That's why I will always do sales. That's why I will always only be passionate about things that involve people and being nice to people and having great experiences with people. You know, that's pretty much the theme 
across this episode and across the last episode on this pod is it all comes down to interactions with people. Because if I don't have those interactions, dude, I might as well be dead. Right. For uh, me, that's, that's what keeps it going. Yeah. So, I mean, man, those are – I mean, that's pretty much, you know, all I had prepared here for for this pod was just going through some of my passions and, you know, some of my travel stories. Uh, you know, I hope uh, – hope everybody had a good time out there listening i don't know cam you got anything else to add no i think i think that's great i think uh it wraps you up you know as a as a person and your interests and your passions and you know i think anyone who's listening gets to know you more i got to know you more stories i didn't know like the galapagos island like that is baller i uh, (laughs) i i want to go now i uh so my aunt was also big into photography Mm-hmm. We have a lot of pictures. I'll make. I'll, I'll find them and I'll bring them over and we'll. You can take, dude. You talk about. I know you love photography as well. Yeah. <sighs> dude, I gotta bring them now. It, it's done. <laughs> I'm, I'm next weekend. We'll we'll do something. I'll Let's bring, do it. I'll bring them over. You can come over to the house. But yeah, it was an incredible experience. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, my my last thing. Always be kind, and always build memories. That's that's my thing. Is that the piece of advice you want to leave this round? Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, I don't got anything else. You know, surround yourself with positive, like-minded people. Don't limit yourself. Be kind. I mean, people don't understand. Being kind can open up so many more doors. Not being kind automatically closes some. When you're kind you have an endless opportunity of what could be. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, be kind and build memories, man, because you know, I know we, we talk about Dwayne Haskins. You never know if you're going to wake up and that's going to be your last day, you know? And it, honestly, if this is my last day, I've had a great time talking with Cam. I've had a great time talking with you. Uh, I've had a great time talking with the people listening and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to have a go have one hell of a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Let's go have a uh, hell of a Saturday and celebrate Dwayne and life and enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Take care. Make sure you like and subscribe and share this out. Let's get the word out for our boy Cam. He does a great job. His setup is incredible. Uh, honestly, if you're in Columbus and you're a regular listener and you want to share your story, why not hop on, man? It's it's not intimidating. We're sitting in a really nice, uh, you know, soundproof room in here. It's just Cam and myself. Nothing threatening's going on, and uh, it's a hell of a time. I you know step out of your comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, appreciate the plug, and for sure, uh, if anyone out there listening, I'll make time. Hit me on the social. Hit me on my email. Uh, it's all out there. Uh, yeah, thanks. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fatal to Prejudice. If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest, please visit my website at CameronChats.com and fill out the contact me form. Please fill out the subject line as podcast interview and write me a small blurb on why you or someone you know should be a guest. I'll leave a link in the description for ease of access. You can support this podcast by listening to it on your favorite podcasting site. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Another way to support is by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fatal to prejudice. Patreon is the only monetary support system. If you would like to sign up and support through there, 
I am forever grateful for you. Again, thank you for tuning in.